I'm so excited about this series, and it's just great to have you. Welcome. If you're with us for the first time, it's really good to have you. And I like a church that's full. I didn't like this COVID era we had to sit far apart. Yeah. So welcome. Welcome, welcome. One day when I was young, in the middle of winter, my father came home and found me sitting in the living room in front of a roaring fire, which made him very angry because we didn't have a fireplace. (laughs) It's an old joke, but an ongoing truth. There's a place for fire where it brings the most maximum benefit. Fire can be powerfully destructive. You can have bright light and and a lot of warmth and lose your house in a matter of half an hour. If you don't, if you don't understand that fire needs a fireplace. And, and in the series, we want to talk a little bit about the fact that Jesus uh, uh, is going to baptize us with the Holy Spirit and fire. And that fire needs to be contained. There are so many theories and so many theologies around the person of the Holy Spirit and how he moves in these days. And some people say he stopped moving. He he decided he's done with mankind and he's gone back to heaven, right? You know, some theology, it feels like that in some some places where uh, we believe that the Holy Spirit still moves today. And in fact, the anointing of God, there is going to be a greater glory on the church in the last days than there ever was the beginning at Pentecost. Right? So that's where this is the house you find yourself in. We're expecting more, not less, of the moving of the Holy Spirit. But we do know that fire is meant to be in a fireplace. So we're going to be investigating how uh, the scriptures talk to that reality that God wants to move in our body and uh, He wants to move in us and among us to great and powerful effect. So before we get into that, I just want to grab just a few basic ideas and thoughts so that we're on the same page. I think they're scriptural. We're going to teach a little bit. We're going to uh, stop a little while, and then we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to come. So uh, that's how we're going to end today. It's going to be a fun ride. So let's talk a little bit about what fire represents. What fire represents. The first thing that fire represents is the presence of God. And so you'll find this all over the scriptures. Whenever God showed up, many, many times when God shows up, God who is spirit, when he shows up in the natural realm, oftentimes he depicts himself, he's seen to be a pillar of fire or in fire. And there's a bunch of scriptures, I could have given you a whole bunch more. But you'll see that the, the, the presence of the Lord looked like fire over the tabernacle in Numbers, in Ezekiel. It said the center of the fire looked like glowing metal. In Acts 2, tongues of fire, when the Spirit of God came on the church, tongues of fire. So, so very often the Holy Spirit or the presence of God is represented by fire. That presence of God in a tabernacle gives light, produces guidance, brings warmth, and it stirs up fellowship. So the presence of God, when, you, when, the, when the scriptures talk about the fire of God coming on you, he's talking about a visible demonstration of an internal reality that the presence of God has taken up residence. Every time God filled the temple, which we'll talk about in a, in a while, you'll see fire comes down as the representation of God moving into the temple. The second uh, thing that fire represents to us is purity. Uh, It's a refining process, it purges, it reveals, it changes. And so this idea that fire brings purity to anything that it works on, uh, let me just say, and there there are a bunch of scriptures there, and you can, we could could go on all day with with the amount of scriptures, I'm not gonna read them all. One of the things, suffice it to say, is that when we, um, 
understand fire in the scriptures, fire really divides into two different groups. To those who resist and are evil and who uh, fight against God, if they come into contact with his fire, it burns them up. And to those who are hungry after God and leaning in and wanting to obey, the fire settles upon them, burns up the dross and, and causes them to shine. This is why every time you see Jesus represented, every time somebody sees Jesus in heaven, his, his face shines with the glory. His body, anytime you can see any, it looks like burnished bronze. It's just this glowing because he's so pure. So this idea of uh, when fire is, it comes on a house, when, the, when fire comes on a temple, God is saying, I am accepting the purity of this temple. I have found it acceptable. And so... Uh, th this process, God will oftentimes put his fire to, uh, to bring out the dross, right? And so for us who believe, that process is not a bad one. And so, uh, especially if we're stuck in some sort of a problem, if something's mastered you, if something's taken hold of you, and you go, Holy Spirit, would you come? I, I, this thing's got me beat. Could you send your fire, Lord? Burn it up. Because, because the fire of God doesn't burn up the beloved of God. It just burns up what is not the beloved of God. Amen? Remember Moses, he's walking past this bush and he looks up and there's a bush on fire and he, and he walks past and about 15 minutes later, the bush is still burning. And then a half an hour later, the bush is still burning and he starts to wander over like, what is going on with this bush? It's not burning up. Because the presence of God was on the tree. And the Lord says to him, take off your shoes. This is holy ground. You, you've just stepped into my presence, Moses, and it's represented by fire that does not consume. Okay? So when you, when you, when you turn your heart like, towards God and you go, Lord, anoint me with the Holy Spirit and fire, that fire burns and, and stirs purity and holiness and a desire for that. Thirdly, fire represents power. Um, Energy, motivation, ability, passion, and uh, the various scriptures. Luke, when he's talking to, he says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Luke, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. This fire is a demonstration of power. So many, many times when people will go, Lord, I'm surrendering my life to you, you will receive power. That fire represents power from on high. And lastly, it, whenever you see fire, it, it denotes God's pleasure or his displeasure. I, I put some scriptures up there that in the Old Testament were the displeasure of God and God deals with people, his fire comes out of his presence because they were not doing well and it consumes them. And uh, this one story in Kings there where they, 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 they go out to capture Elijah and, and there's 50 of them and fire comes out and consumes them. So the king sends the next 50 and fire comes and consumes them. So the third guy, he goes, hey, peace, Elijah, please, let's be friends, you and I. So there, there is this, this fire denotes God's displeasure, in which case you, you cease to exist. But for those who are in Christ Jesus, that's no longer an issue. Does that, does that, does that make sense? But the pleasure of God is also shown because God puts fire on, on that which he has chosen and which he has appointed for his service. So when God sets something aside for holy service, he anoints it with fire. So let me show you this in the three tabernacles. 
Is this okay? I'm just, I'm just taking you, just explaining some stuff here so that we're all on the same page. Whenever God instituted a tabernacle and he said, this is what I want. I want you to build this tabernacle. He gave the details to Moses. He told him very specifically, build it exactly according to the plan I've given you. He appointed Levites once the tabernacle had been built exactly. He appointed Levites. Then they sprinkled the tabernacle with a sacrificial blood. They had washed it with with pure water. They sprinkled it with blood and they sprinkled it with oil. And then outside that tabernacle, they laid out sacrifices but they had, they had no fire. And they would step back and they dedicate the temple to the Lord. And when they dedicate the temple to the Lord, fire comes out of heaven and consumes the sacrifices. Le- Leviticus 9 in Moses' tabernacle, fire came out from the presence of the Lord to consume the burnt offerings and the fat portions on the altar. And when all the people saw it, they shouted for joy and fell fast, face down. It was, it was miraculous. It was glorious. We're dedicating a temple to the Lord. Lord, here you are. And fire comes out and just eats up the sacrifices. And all that's left is this burning fire that no man had started. And from that moment onwards, it was one of the responsibilities of the priests to tend that fire, to never let that fire go out. You couldn't bring sacrifices if it wasn't burnt on that fire. You couldn't burn incense if it wasn't started by that fire. You couldn't light the candelabra if it wasn't lit by that fire. It was the responsibility to keep that fire burning. And Moses' sons bring... uh, fire that they, well, it's too far to walk over there. So they lit their own thing and they brought it to the Lord and fire consumed them. So we have this idea that uh, we are to be keepers of the flame, which we're going to talk about in three weeks time. Solomon's tabernacle, the same thing happens. They build it exactly according to the plan. They establish a new order of priests, new Levites, but this time they add worship worshipers and musicians to the Levitical cohort. And then Solomon dedicates the tabernacle to the Lord in prayer. And Second Chronicles says, when he finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offerings and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And the priests could not enter the temple because of the glory of the Lord filled it. And when all the Israelites saw the fire coming down and the glory of the Lord above the temple, They knelt on the pavement with their faces to the ground and they worshiped and gave thanks to the Lord saying, he is good and his love endures forever. Isn't that interesting? There's always worship and praise and adoration when fire comes down. So when God instituted the new tabernacle in the New Testament, which is what you are, on the day of Pentecost, The new sacrifices are presented to God by the blood of Jesus. Jesus has died, he's poured out his blood, he's gone back to heaven, he's seated at the right hand, and he he says to the Father, would you send the Holy Spirit? And so fire comes down and settles on the head of each of the disciples. Verse three, they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Holy Spirit enabled them. The worship and adoration on the day of Pentecost was the same, same awe, the same splendor, the same beauty, and the same principle that God will always, always fill his temple with holy fire from above. 
He's not asking you to generate the fire. He's not asking you to cleanse the temple. The temple is cleansed by the powerful work of the, of the cross of Jesus Christ. The broken body and the shed blood of Jesus makes you holy. That is the sacrifice that cleanses you. It's not your own effort. It's not your own glory. It's not your own exercise of righteousness. It is faith in that finished work that makes you holy. And in, and in Hebrews, Paul says, look, the, the law made nothing perfect. The law could bring no one to perfection. All the law could do was to point out how far short you'd fallen from the glory of God. But then he says, that's verse one, and Hebrews 10 verse 14 says, but by one sacrifice, he, Jesus, has made perfect forever those who are coming to faith in him. So you were qualified, you were made ready, you were qualified to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light by that one sacrifice. And when you put your faith in that sacrifice and you dedicate yourself to the Lord, the Spirit of God comes to fill you because you are the temple. So I wanna talk about you being the fireplace, you being the place where the Holy Spirit wants to take up residence and has taken up residence. So Corinthians 6, 12, I'm gonna just jump to two verses and we're gonna get into it a little bit more specifically. Don't you know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? So I wanna just deal very briefly with three things the Bible says in the New Testament about how we should respond to this truth that you, your body, has designed to house the Holy Spirit. You are the fireplace that God wants to put His fire in. And if you don't know that, then this comes as a shock to you. If you do know that and you understand that, it changes the way you live your life. It's kind of what the Lord was saying. There's a reorienting to, wow, I I am designed in, in God's eternal plan to be a fireplace in which God dwells by His Spirit. He wants to use my life and I need to watch out for this body. I need to cooperate with with the internal reality that He has taken up residence on the inside of me. So the scripture says, firstly, you are the fireplace, therefore offer your body as a living sacrifice to God. Romans 12.1, well-known scripture. Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Offering our bodies as a living sacrifice to the fire of God is our true act of worship, Paul says. This is true and proper worship. This is what used to be called this your spiritual act of worship. It's unwise for me to offer my body to anything else, seeing as the Spirit of God has been offered the sacrifice. The process of bringing a sacrifice to the Lord was not a casual thing that you did. It was a deliberate sacrifice of your best. And so you brought the best of what you had to offer and you set it aside as holy unto the Lord. And the moment you decided, I'm going to offer this animal for say, you set it aside, you could not use that animal for for daily use. If you said, I'm gonna give this chicken over to the Lord, you dedicated it, you didn't eat any of its produce, you, you, that was now dedicated to the Lord and, and, and then you took it to the temple. If you had a, a lamb, you dedicated it and you didn't mess with it. 
So in the same way, when Paul says, I want you to get this understanding, you need to offer your body as a living sacrifice to God. Why? Because your body has become a fireplace, has become a temple in which the Holy Spirit wants to dwell, and He wants to do profound things in you and through your life, but we need to orient ourselves to that reality. That means if I'm going to dedicate my body to the Lord as a living sacrifice, I have to set it aside. It's holy. It's been set aside from other things. I can't engage my body in some other realities because that would be detrimental to the fireplace and the fire of what God wants to do. Paul says, some of you were giving your bodies to strange things. He was talking to the Corinthians. The Corinthians were having a really, really tough time of it. They were living in a, in a very secular world. But every time the gospel went anywhere, you always found two realities that tried to chip away at the freedom and undermine the freedom that the gospel brought. One was idolatry and one was sexual immorality. And, and this, from the earliest council, the Jerusalem council, they said, listen, it is by grace through faith alone. You don't have to obey the law. We're only just asking you, watch out. Please don't get involved in idolatry and please stay away from sexual immorality. Because the Gentile nations were known for those two things. And I want to just say to you today, our culture is probably known for those two things. Idolatry to anything else that doesn't submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and an openness to sexual immorality. We're not that different from the Corinthians. I've heard people, oh, the Corinthians were really bad. No, well, I, mm. I think if they read about some of the stuff that's going on today, they'd go, you guys are in trouble. Paul says some of you were involved in idolatry and drunkenness and immorality in various forms, but you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. He goes, listen, listen, guys. Hey, hey, hey. Don't you remember? Paul's not saying to them, if you stop all of that thing, the Holy Spirit will take up residence in you. He's saying the Holy Spirit has taken up residence in you. You are the temple of God. Why do you take the temple of God and unite yourself with a prostitute? Don't you know you're a member of the body of Christ? Can you, in, you're now deciding you're gonna go and connect Jesus to a prostitute. He goes, this shouldn't be. There's abject horror in Paul's, in the Greek. He's like, come on people. This ought not to be. So Paul says to them, I want you to offer your body. I want you to ask the Lord to, to let His fire soak and burn in your body to help you burn up any dross and to burnish any gold. I want you to say, Holy Spirit, I understand you've taken up residence, so I'm offering my body as a living sacrifice ongoingly. This is going to be something I do on a regular basis. Lord, you can have my body. This body was designed for you. Now be careful here to assume that our best effort washes us clean. It's our efforts that qualify us or enable the Holy Spirit to take up residence in us. It's simply not. It's the sacrifice of Jesus, His death and His resurrection. See, Paul talks to the Corinthians and he, he keeps bringing them back to the cross. He keeps talking about the power of the blood of Jesus to cleanse us and to make us perfect and to qualify us for this inheritance. 
that we have a right and an, and an authority and an autonomy over our own bodies and I can choose to surrender it to whoever I will. So Paul says, given the fact that you have that right and your body is yours, your body was designed to be the house of the Holy Spirit. You are the fireplace of God. Now, if you understand that, now offer that to the Lord. Be conscious, be mindful of the fact, Holy Spirit, this is for you. What would you have me do? This cooperation in the natural with a supernatural reality is an important issue in our lives. We align, we come into agreement with the beautiful work of Jesus on the cross and we prove we understand by certifying our cooperation. That's the, Paul says, now offer yourself because you understand this. You are the temple. Now offer yourself as a living sacrifice. Your body was designed to be his fireplace. Second thing, he says you should honor God with your body, which is a continuation of the same idea. Corinth, as we've said, was a secular city, but no more than us. And Paul writes to them, reminding them of the cross and the resurrection. The temptation for most of us, or certainly for me, would be to jump in there and start pointing out the sins of the Corinthian church. Junior, I want you to stop getting drunk on the communion wine. Anthropos, stop sleeping with your father's wife. Hapax, drop the frivolous lawsuits. Maximus, stop bragging about your superior gifts. Andronicus, keep the name dropping to yourself. Paul does none of that. But they're getting drunk on the communion wine and guys sleeping with his mother-in-law and they are having factions among them to the point where they're having lawsuits and they're bragging about, I follow this one, I follow that one. And Paul, Paul mentions all of that, but he goes, guys, 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 guys. First of all, he addresses the letter to the saints, to the holy ones in Corinth. He goes, guys, you know, some of you used to do this stuff, but you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of Jesus. So, so come over and, and stop offering your body to those things. Offer yourself to the Lord. Corinthians 6. I have the right to do anything you say but not everything is beneficial. They were quoting Paul back at himself. Paul had been preaching the liberty of the gospel. And they said, Paul, you said, I have the right to do anything. Because yeah, but not everything's beneficial. I have the right to do anything. Not, I will not be mastered by anything, Paul says. You say, which was a Gnostic thing, food for the stomach and the stomach for food, but God will destroy them both. See, the Gnostics had said, listen, it doesn't really matter what you do in your body because your body is fundamentally evil and it's gonna be burned up. When God wraps up history, he's gonna take us all back into the spirit realm. So it really doesn't matter what you do with your body because it really can't affect your spirit. So you can eat whatever you want. You can eat meat sacrificed to idols. I have no power of you. You can be involved in sexual immorality because as long as it's just in your body and it's not affecting your spirit, you're fine. And Paul says, listen, guys, let's, let's just get something clear. You need to walk pure in body and mind. And they were saying, it doesn't matter. The body is, the body is for food, food for the body, but God's going to destroy both. He says, the body, however, is not meant for sexual immorality but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. Interesting passage. Your body was meant, designed, pre-planned to be a house in which the Holy Spirit lives. 
See, we think our bodies are just pieces of meat. No, Paul says your body was designed to be indwelt by the Holy Spirit. When God conceived of mankind, this was always the dream. I will go and indwell them. So Paul says, don't, don't miss out on the beauty of your creation by taking what is designed to be for the Lord and giving it over to immorality. What a diminished inheritance. I have a pair of locking pliers which are designed to clamp on something in you. And I was building something at home and I had all the sides wrapped up and I just needed to hammer in a nail and I, and I was holding everything and my hammer was just out of reach. And I didn't wanna let go of this and go get the hammer. But what was available was my locking, my locking pliers. And they're quite hefty. So I was like, so I picked up my locking pliers and I whacked that nail in. But now my locking pliers don't lock as well as they used to. <laughs> They're a little bit buckled. Because I used something, it wasn't designed, oh, I could get it to function there. It even felt good in the moment. But it's not designed for that. Your body, your body wasn't designed for idolatry. Your body wasn't designed for immorality. And, and it is becoming popular in our culture to poo-poo. It doesn't really matter. Not really an issue. What feels good in the moment? What's your truth? How do you feel? Your body is designed to be a fireplace for the fire of God. You are designed to be a temple in which God lives by the Holy Spirit. You want to reach the best and the most beautiful and the most congruent life you can possibly do is that you devote yourself to the Holy Spirit. That you say, Lord, here I am. Carrying on, verse 15. Don't you know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in his body? As it is said, the two shall become one flesh, but whoever is united to the Lord has become one with him in spirit. Therefore, flee from sexual immorality. This is one of two things the Bible says you used to flee from. The rest, it says, resist standing firm in the faith. Idolatry and sexual immorality, it says, run. I had a friend, <laughs> a lady came in for counseling, and he was sitting in his office, and, he, and, said, What's, and she began to undress. He got up and ran out of the office. He ran out the church, crossed the road, stood on the other side of the road. His secretary came out and said, what? He said, tell that woman to go home. I said, what are you doing? He goes, I, I just had to run. Flee sexual immorality. No, I'm strong enough. No, you're not. I'm spiritual. Uh, no, you're not. Can I, just, can I just be honest for a little moment here? I don't believe a single person in this room hasn't deal with this and have to deal with this in this manner. When they brought that woman who was caught in adultery, Jesus turned to the crowd and he said, if any one of you, 
is without sin. And I think he was talking about in this area. You throw the first stone. Let's just get real. This is not something we, well, oh, I'm too spiritual. I've never done, no, I think we have to come to a place where we go, listen, I have to get real about this body of mine is designed to house the presence and the fire and the purity of the Holy Spirit. And the only way I'm gonna get that done is to continually be offering the Holy Spirit, all oh, Lord, come, let your fire burn in me. Work your purity, work your power. Bring the beauty of Jesus through my life. This is not on my own strength. This is a need I have. And it's a constant offering of my body. And it's the constant saying, Lord, you can have. So he says, do you not know that your bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit who's in you whom you've received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. It was purchased by Jesus' blood. High price Jesus paid for your body. Thirdly, he says this, learn to control your body. Thessalonians, it's God's will you should be holy, that you avoid sexual immorality, for each of one of you should learn to control your own body in a way that's holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the heathen who don't know God, and this matter no one should wrong his brother or take advantage of him, for God will judge people for all such sins. Learn to control your body. Well, I, 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 can't, I can't help it. Well, sometimes you're gonna have to wrestle it to the ground. Sometimes you're gonna have to put discipline. Paul said, <laughs> Paul said, uh, Corinthians 9, 27, I discipline my body. In the old King James, it says, I buffet my body. Some of us believe it says, buffet my body, but it actually says, dis- it's got the, I buffet my body. Amen. Bless God. (laughs) Here's what I'm trying to say. Because I'm aware that uh, there are some of of us who used to be given over to idolatry, to drugs and alcoholism. We gave ourselves to some other things. Some of us who gave ourselves over to sexual immorality. There are people sitting here, and I'm not, I'm not trying to bring condemnation at all because I'm telling you what, just like Paul said to the Corinthians, you were washed. You were made holy. You were made right with God in the name of Jesus and by the Spirit of God. So that's your reality. But because that is a reality, I'm gonna ask the worship team if they would come up in the meantime. Because that's a reality in your own heart, because that is the truth, now I say, okay, Lord, Well, here I am. I'm going to sacrifice myself as a living sacrifice. I need you, Holy Spirit. I'm going to honor you with my body, and I'm going to learn to control it. I can't sit here and say, well, I'm free. I can just give in to any urge. No. Try. Work. Discipline. More than anything else, this is what I know about the Lord. If you will bring yourself to the Lord and say, Lord, here I am, Holy Spirit, I'm wholly yours. You can have my whole body. Would you fill this temple afresh and anew? 
See, the truth is when you gave your life to Jesus, you were filled with the Holy Spirit. He came in you. You can't get saved, but that the Holy Spirit did it. And when you've asked, you've been filled. But uh, there, there are multiple times the Bible records that Peter, the apostle, was filled. He was filled when Jesus had received the Holy Spirit. He was filled on the day of Pentecost. He was filled when he got up to preach. And he, he was filled later on when they said, stop preaching. And the whole place where they were meeting was filled. There's, there's an ongoing filling of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, Ephesians 5, be, keep on being filled with the Spirit of God. So what I'd like to do is I'd like to end this moment with just a little prayer of consecration. And I don't mind, it's less important to me about what you have been doing or did in the past with your body. What is important is in this moment right now that you turn to the Lord and say, Lord, God helping me, this body, I'm gonna set aside for you. And I can't do that on my own. I need the fire of the Holy Spirit to burn in me. And I give you full permission, Lord, to burn up anything that's got a hold on me or wants to, is displeasing to you. And Lord, I pray that you'd strengthen in me anything that you find beautiful. And if you could join me in that prayer, I think as a church, as a group of people, we said, Lord, this is our prayer of, of consecration. This body as far as it depends on me, over which I have autonomy, I'm giving to you. Because every time in the scriptures people did that, the fire of God settled on that temple. I wonder if you would stand with me if you're prepared to pray that prayer. I want to pray it right now. Lord, we believe that our bodies are created to be temples of the Holy Spirit, fireplaces for Him to keep burning. So today, Lord, we offer our bodies for Your presence and Your purity and Your power and Your pleasure. And I'm asking, Lord, that today You'd fill us afresh. Watch this, the Holy Spirit. Stoke Your fire in us, Lord. Burn up anything that is unhelpful. Burnish everything that is. We celebrate the blood of Jesus shed for us and we trust His blood to, to cleanse us from all our unrighteousness. Lord, for, for those who've engaged in immorality or idolatry, we're saying, forgive us, Lord. Today, we consecrate ourselves to You. We offer our bodies as living sacrifices. Fill these temples afresh with your glory. We choose to honor you with our bodies and we ask for your help as we learn to control them, listening to your voice. Apart from our spouses, Lord, we renounce any claim that any other party assumes that they may have over our bodies and we surrender our bodies to you. Fill these temples, Lord. And we invite now and celebrate the presence of the Holy Spirit. And say it again, fill us afresh, Lord. Release your pleasure and your healing into these sacrifices. Fill these lives with your fragrance. Fill these hearts with the light of your revelation. Empower us. Fill us. Restore us and launch us in Jesus' name.
In just a moment, the worship team is just going to worship just very gently. And this is a moment to soak. You can stand or sit or kneel or however you want to do. But this is the moment for the next five minutes to do, for you to do business with God. I guarantee you this. I, I swear this to you. If you mean it in your heart and you say, Holy Spirit, come. He will fill you afresh. Some of you are going to experience a fire. Many, many times when people get healed, they experience a burning in the place where God is healing them. Sometimes people break out in sweat because they just they, they experience physically the fire of God. Sometimes different things happen. And so I, but I guarantee you this. As we just go to this moment, the Holy Spirit is going to be moving in this place. I particularly, as I was praying this morning for this time, I felt like the Lord said, anybody whose bodies have suffered uh, a wounding because of previous surrenders to something that's evil, especially eating disorders, drug addictions, or sexual immoralities. You've engaged in that, and it's left a permanent scar in your body. I felt like the, the Holy Spirit has come today, and there are going to be some creative miracles where God's restoration power is going to restore you back as though it wasn't. I, I felt like people who have genuinely repented, and I'm talking about people who said, I'm done, I'm, I'm out. I'm telling you today, there's something coming on you. There's a restoration healing, a supernatural miracle. God's going God's to do in your body to reflect the pristine status of your soul. It's going to make it the same. So I'm asking the Lord to turn back the damage that sin has done in anybody. Now, we're going to just quieten our hearts in the Lord's presence for a minute and I'm just going to say to some of the elders if you feel like you'd like to go and minister to some people this is a moment you can or you can soak yourselves but I just really think that the Holy Spirit is going to move across this place so I'm going to ask him to do that and if you're hungry and you're open he's going to move into you ready? Holy Spirit would you move across this place and fill us afresh and hit Everybody, Lord, with a fire of God. And I pray, Lord, for every person that you would do something supernatural and profound in Jesus' name. Amen.
So, Holy Spirit, we thank you. We're asking, Lord, that you would increase this fire on our lives. That you'd increase this, Lord. And that it would become like a raging fire in vessels that are dedicated to you. I'm asking, Lord, that you begin to increase the power and the purity and the presence and the pleasure that you have for us. That power, Lord, would begin to flow, come out of us to heal people. That power, Lord, would, would begin to see people come free. That the beauty of holiness, Lord, would be our resting pulse. That when we walk into places, Lord, people would experience your presence with us. There would be something of the presence of God that comes in. And let your favor, Lord, rest upon us. When we go into a business, Lord, let the favor of God come in with us. When we walk, Lord, let the favor of God, when we be with people, let their whole countenance change because we're a temple of the Spirit of the living God who is Lord of all. Lord, remind us, remind us this week that your fire burn.
and not consume. Through the watches of the night, Lord, I pray that many, many people wake during the watches of the night with a, with a sense of the fire of God on them. Awaken us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Lord, any impure desire, I, I release your fire to burn it up, Lord. Burn it, Lord. Kill it. But I pray, Lord, that a hunger for righteousness, a hunger for the kingdom, a hunger for purity, that it would begin to burn in us. Did not our hearts burn within us? Burn, Lord, for the, for the pure desires of God. Now, Lord, I release your peace. Peace to your people. Peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Comfort, comfort my people and declare to them, your sins are forgiven for your God has been gracious to you. Turn up the volume, Lord, in the weeks that come. Increase, Lord, your moving among us. In Jesus' name. Amen.